0: Hi, good morning and welcome to the ZP vlog and podcast. So we do this vlog and podcast um, every Sunday at 8am London time and it's just a really wrap up for the news for this week. So if I was to jump into it, um, we put some images up this week um, on the ZP website. The reason being is we, you know, we, we talked about it and we went to Spain and we did a um, webinar um, in not webinar, sorry, a, a live um, workshop in Spain um, with a couple of um, colleagues, one from Massia Sensors and one from ZP. And, you know, this entire workshop was over um, three hours long. So it was quite intense. You know, we did um, lectures on voltammetry and amperometry and potentiometry and impedance spectroscopy. And then we also did um, live demonstrations to sort of... Um, let's say cement the learning um from each one of these um webinars. So we really appreciated um the attendees. We had about 40 attendees. Um you know it was it was it was a hot day. There was a swimming pool outside so we really appreciated that you know people you know wanted to learn and, and attended our lectures. So oh I'll, yeah so thank you very much um to the attendees. Um it's just a little photo that we put up this week that um, at ZP, we are um, strong sponsors of um, academia and universities. And this does include Swans University, where um, ZP was the sponsor of the um, Innovation Awards um, at Swans University. So as part of that, they'd, they'd made a video about us. Um, and I just want to say hi to Saran. Nice to see you this morning, Saran. Um, as part of that, they'd made a video about us. And um, there's a little picture that they took, um, and we put it up on the website um, there. Um, Just some other news from Zimmer and for this week. We had a very busy, um, I would say, almost webinar this week regarding um, questions that are coming from the ZP Developers Zone webinar. So every Thursday at 8 a.m. London time, we do this webinar specifically for Sort of members and questions and people asking technical questions, and one of the questions that had come up was regarding um, field effect transistors versus versus, of let's say, impedance sensors. So the particular question I was interested in making a SARS-CoV-2 sensor, and the way the paper that they shared with us for measuring SARS-CoV-2 um, had a FET, a field effect transistor, on it, and they were measuring. Um, the binding of um, SARS-CoV-2 type um, proteins to these um, SARS-CoV-2 antibodies um, using a FET device. And my argument in this was that um, when you use a FET device, you often measure a change in some sort of change in surface through resistance. And that is good. You can get a signal out of it. But in, um, in, let's say, electrochemical biosensing, There's there's at least two properties of a surface you can measure. You can measure its resistance and you can measure its capacitance. And so when people are actually measuring FET devices, they're often just looking at the resistive elements of that um, sensor and they're not aware of or not measuring the capacitive elements of that sensor. And so at ZP, I just want to say a really warm welcome to Aftab who joined us this morning. So the, what we said in that video was, it's all very good to measure um, things like viruses using FET devices, but actually really consider making using an impedance device. An impedance device will give you much more information about your assay than just a, um, a FET device. A FET will give you resistance measurements, that's great. An impedance device or impedance sensor will give you um, resistance and capacitance. And so for a little while I've been sort of um, umming and ahhing or thinking about you know when you use a FET device and when you use a more traditional electrochemical sensor and I realized that well people use FET devices when they come from an electronics background or a semiconductor fabrication background if you read the resume of the professor or the principal investigator who's leading that project as I say they're often got an electronics background or a um, um, a clean room, or or a um, yeah a, a MEMS background, and so when you read that, that that they're they're basically making devices that they're essentially trained in. Now, obviously, I also suffer from that because I make devices that I'm trained in, which is electrochemical sensing, and so I've, I am trying to take an impartial view and actually say, oh no, a- acknowledging my own bias towards electrochemistry, why would I argue that? Um, Impedance sensors are better than FET sensors, and I would argue because actually you get much more information out of them. Um, and sometimes your signal's not in the resistive element, it's actually in the capacitive element. Anyway, if you're interested in that, we do answer these very technical questions every Thursday at um, 8 a.m. London time in our weekly um, webinar. Now, there was another element um, from our weekly webinar that I was I'm particularly happy to talk about. Um, we've been having some inquiries um, from um, seaweed and um, you know I, th- I think two-thirds of the world's you know surface is you know is covered in is covered in water. you know at the margins between land and um, the oceans, you know you obviously have you know these seaweed beds. and the simple interest for me has been recently that we are um, starting to realize that people, are looking at this margin between land and water and say, you know, what resources can we bring from this? And I think it's correct because, you know, you look at global population, you look at the strain that we're putting on the um, land that, that we have for farming. And so in some ways you could actually have more of a green farming if we were actually able to share that strain out over alternative sources of um. I don't want to say food, but materials and, you know, seaweeds, you know, at least it's an idea worth exploring. And I think I think it's fair to say, you know, human society at the moment is in an exploratory stage when it comes to seaweed. I attended a um, webinar um, this I think it was this week or the week before on um, seaweed as a source of materials for for, um, mankind. And then just to show you that it is a hot topic, I I not almost we almost had an inquiry immediately asking the question, how do you measure um, heavy metals um in seaweed? And because I have two excellent I have an excellent engineer, or well, two excellent engineers online this morning, I just wanted to kind of tell the guys that people are interested in measuring heavy metals in seaweed. Um I think arsenic counts as a heavy metal, but heavy metals, arsenic, and I also was um, getting a sense that iodine slash iodide it's just a difference almost like an oxidation state. They're interested in this iodine, arsenic and heavy metal measuring. And so I in the video talked about that you could actually blend um, you know these semi solids, seaweed is a you know it's a very gelatinous material. You can blend it, you can put it onto something um you can put it onto a screen into electrode. You can measure the heavy metals in it using um, anodic stripping voltammetry. I think this is quite, um, let's say, doable. Um, and I was also then expanding the idea that actually we could take our sensor rods that were originally developed for nitrate sensing, put those in the water, and actually constantly measure the, um, the heavy metal arsenic and iodide um, or iodine concentrations um, in the seawater itself. I was also saying in the video that's pretty tough, you know, putting anything in a marine environment. I think it's one of the, you know, most corrosive environments um, you can have. Um, I'm sort of thinking, I'm laughing to myself at the moment, you know, you've kind of got, it's it's wet, it's salty, Um, you know, there's often strong sunlight, Um, you know, there's obviously the wind, you know, there's the fact the water goes up and down. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of the, um, one of the most extreme environments. So what I said in the video was, it's actually quite achievable, I think, to be able to measure heavy metal content in the products themselves. I would call this a, like a point of needs testing. You'd have the seaweed, you'd have to probably blend it. You put a, you put some of that slurry onto the sensor. We can make a, a point test on that slurry and you know give you some answers back. Obviously, the second one, putting the sensors into the environment and monitoring the environment. No, that's really quite tough. Um, but we did talk about that in the video this week and um or in the video in the zp developer zone webinar this week we also had an interesting inquiry um about a um, molecule called ee2 i think ee2 is is linked to um fertility control um and it's getting into the water environment so with that we just said look you know it's you could probably make another um an impedance electrochemical biosensor so it did make me laugh because we'd had this sort of question about SARS-CoV-2 and there I'd argued make an impedance electrochemical biosensor. And then the next question was EE2. And the answer from the literature was make an impedance electrochemical biosensor. Um This might be um, interesting as well. I was quite pleased with this. Um Zimmer Peacock, we attended a um, conference this week in Loughborough. Um, it was a very Um, PhD centric um, conference because you know um, the speakers were basically people generally doing a PhD in electrochemistry, primarily I would say from the UK um, and a little bit of Ireland, and they were presenting on their research and we were obviously exhibiting, but because we were able to sit in the audience, um, we were able to actually you know ask um, questions and get our answers back and it was actually quite interesting and I. I thought it was a great um, opportunity for both the students and for Zimmer and Peacock. So um, at Zimmer and Peacock, we were um, happy to attend that conference in Loughborough this week. And uh, myself and a couple of um, engineers um, were able to attend that. Um, I think this will make everyone smile. So I particularly want to address this through um, Saran and Aftab this morning. This is the power of electrochemistry. So we've had an inquiry um, An inquirer wanted to measure some active materials in cough drops, um, and so depending on whether it's cherry original or extra strong, the cough drops have different concentrations of these active materials. Um, many organic molecules are actually electrochemically active. Traditionally, analytical chemists will end will will look at these kind of organic molecules by absorption spectroscopy. Um, we have these kind of spectrometers in our own labs at Zimmer Peacock, but it's not always easy to make a in-field absorption spectrometer assay. You have to make sure that the sample is clean. You have to um, exclude ambient light. So whenever I see a real world need for low cost point of need device, I say, all right, let's use electrochemistry. So. We knew that these, these um, different flavors of sweets, be it cherry original or extra strong, had different amounts of active materials in them. and We knew we were going to try and test it um, using electrochemistry. So what we did is we took these sweets, we dissolved them in buffer and we have a little image on the website of that. And you can see if you're watching the vlog that they're different colors and they're basically reflecting the color of the sweets themselves. And then we actually did the electrochemistry or voltammetry on these different solutions um, and got very different voltammograms. And the voltammograms are, you know, um, the extra strong, the cherry and the original. Actually, the voltammogram peaks are proportional. You know, you would intuitively think that somebody was going to give you an extra strong that it would have more active materials. Well, the answer is it did. It gives us, by far, the most intense voltammogram. So we could sort of intuitively see that actually electrochemistry was measuring the active materials in this complex matrix. And it's a power of the science that you can take a sweet. Um, you can have an instinct that, you know, it essentially is going to have different electrochemical signatures depending on the flavours and what the amount of materials they put on it. We dissolved it in uh, aqueous buffer. And that's important because, you know, you don't want to be giving people harsh organic solvents, especially in a food type application. And generally, you know, organic solvents can be a health risk to people, you know. So no, we took a suite, put it in a water buffer, let's say, um, analyzed that and got very distinctive um, voltammograms. And what we ended up um, doing with that is we used our accelerator platform. So this is at a... An important thing now that we have such a. If somebody wants to, for example, measure saliva, uh, sorry, glucose in saliva, um, we could do a proof of principle for that very easily. Um, because, uh, you know, so for example, what we would do is we would um, take the saliva, spike it with known amounts of glucose, and use our ZP accelerator to measure the sample, send the data to the cloud, and then we could actually analyze it. Now, I'm saying that because then, in this case, somebody wanted to sort of have a way of um, categorizing or understanding their cough drop. Well, in that case, take the cough drop, dissolve it in buffer, put a drop onto the sensor. We analyze it and send the data to the cloud. So we have that immediate ability to go from essentially idea. We can execute the idea. We can get the data onto our Judy cloud really quite quickly. And so it's a very let's say accelerating way of doing, um, science. It's probably worth saying that actually we, we often do these kind of proof of principle projects and it's probably worth just saying that, you know, I mean, you know, we, we can do most things for about 22,000 euros. Um, and we call that our essentially our ZP accelerator. Um, well, at least we can do what's called a proof of principle on that. Um, so that was fun. Um, and it works, you know, that's always, it's always a good thing. Um, just a little bit of fun, really. We haven't actually released a new sensor in quite a while. At ZP, I would definitely argue that we have the world's widest range of commercially available biosensors on the market. And um one of the sensors that we've put out this week is actually malic acid. I think malic acid um, appears a lot in the food and beverage um, industry, and so we do have a new sensor for that. So that. Um, if people are so interested and they need to do some proof of principles they can buy some of these um, malic acid sensors um from the zp website so thank you to the ZT, zp team um who did that and then finally um zimmer and peacock um we are attending the um, sensors Decade this um week um I, I mentioned this now because unfortunately i'm i am flying to oslo but i know We've got one of our engineers online that um, I'm not able to make down to Horton. It's such a busy week, but we're flying to Oslo and we're attending the sensors um, Decade. And the Census Decade, I think, is Norway's first kind of conference around um, sensors and biosensors. And we're talking about the bridge between biology and the digital world. What I really love about you know the science and the business that we're growing is the world we live in, is a world of chemistry and biology. Um, you know, the materials in your cough drop are, you know, chemical. The materials in your blood are often chemical and biological. The materials in your food could be capsaicin, for example, in chili. And electrochemistry is such a powerful scientific art that it can actually analyze cough drop, blood, chili, for example. We can detect the molecules of interest um, very easily, and then actually send that data to our cloud. And the cloud is really our digital world. So it's very easy for us to go from chemical samples and biological samples, which could be related to food, beverage, agriculture, and health, and send that um, data to the cloud very um, very quickly. And I think that's what we're not think. that's what we're going to talk about in the um, census decade that's, as I say, is being held in um, Oslo this week. Um, I think sort of the conference itself is Wednesday and Thursday, and CP will be um, exhibiting and speaking at that conference. So I basically want to say thank you very much for um, attending this morning, particularly um, to surround Um If I was to kind of summarize, you know, the week for Zimmer and Peacock, we've had a, um, a busy week in terms of, you know, we've been on a on Sunday, we were in Spain doing a workshop. On Wednesday, we were back for the UK to do a um, conference in Loughborough. Um, when you look at the science and e- engineering that we've put out this week, we've talked about measuring heavy metals in seaweed. We've measured talking about measuring a molecule called EE two, which is linked to um, human fertility. That was um, and that material is getting into the environment. Um, we talked about um, SARS-CoV-2 and how to measure it with impedance sensors rather than um, FET type sensors. And you can see that it is busy because now we're talking about having to go to um, Norway for a conference um, next week. So I want to say very much thank you to everyone for um, attending. If you ever have any technical questions from Zimmer Peacock, um, contact us you'll, and you'll find us are able to answer those questions in our weekly um webinar which is every Thursday at 8 a.m. It's a very technical um, webinar and we we answer most of the technical questions there. So really thank you very much. Take care. Have a good week and we will be doing this again next Sunday at 8 a.m. London time. Okay, thanks very much.